judges have to be thinking, did we get it wrong? And Ayuma Hurano is going to give them a chance to possibly redeem themselves if they felt that they gave him too low of a score. Straight into the first hit. Will it be another triple? It is another perfectly landed triple cork into a giant 1440. He may make them eat that score. Huge front 12. Backside 1260 into frontside 1440. That was even bigger. That was even more perfect. It's so incredible that that run is just come together. You see, like, the riders know. Yep. Everyone knows that that is the craziest run ever. There's a new king in wow. the halfpipe. Ayumu Hirano takes gold. That was the craziest thing that I saw a human being do this past week. Did anybody watch that when it was broadcasted for the first time or live, kind of? You never really know when it's on the other side of the world. It was insane. Now, I don't know if you noticed this, but did you pay close attention to the snowboarder? I want to make sure you get a close look. And let, let's zoom in just a little bit closer. Uh, <laughs> I am Ayumu. <laughs> no, I'm not. Uh, and you can go to the next slide. You can take me off the screen. Uh, my name is Danny Householder, and I'm a pastor here at Hope Ames. And man, I wish I could do that with my body, but, but I can't. Uh, speaking of bodies, I'm glad that you brought your body here to church today. Maybe you're responsible for bringing some other bodies here as well, and, and, I'm, and I'm glad. Would you turn to the person next to you and say, I'm glad your body is here. <laughs> it's kind of a weird way to start off, but we're talking about our bodies today. We're talking about our bodies. The human body is insane. I've been seeing people do insane things with their bodies over the last week as I've watched the Olympics. I'm excited to see human bodies perform uh, in the sport of football tonight uh, at the Super Bowl. That'll be exciting. I'm excited about that. People can do crazy things with their bodies. Now, whether you can jump 20 feet out of a half pipe on a snowboard and flip your body around 1,200 times before landing back um, on, on the safe surface of the earth, your, your body is spectacular too, and, and I'm serious about that. Uh, I found some information about your bodies this week, and I, and I thought that they were so interesting that I, I needed to share it. Um, these are some of the most interesting things that I found out about the human body this week. Here's 10 of them. Ready? Your bones in your body are outrageously strong. In your feet, you have metatarsals. They're those tiny little bones. And they're no more than about a centimeter wide. But together, they can bear your entire body weight. And you're like, of course, well, I knew that. But did you ever think about that? This small little bone can bear your whole body weight. It's crazy. Your nose can recognize one trillion scents, or in some cases, odors, right? <laughs> your eyes, in camera terms, can capture 576 megapixels, which is, 200, which is about 200 megapixels more than the most expensive camera in the world. Your body is insane. Your lungs contain almost 1,500 miles of airways. That's wild. Your brain produces enough electricity to ignite, to ignite a light bulb. That's crazy. Your brain can recognize a person by their voice in as little as 0 .05 seconds. That's wild. Information travels in your brain up to 268 miles per hour. In a lifetime, the heart pumps enough blood to fill 200 train cars. That's crazy. I'm talking about one of the entire trains, you know, and the whole system that comes through when you're really trying to get somewhere on time, like this morning when I was. Just me. It's full of all... I don't want to imagine that being full of blood, but you get the point. 
Your heart beats 100,000 times a day. But don't worry, it's designed to resist fatigue, which is why it can beat all day long. It never rests because your heart virtually never gets tired. It's the only muscle in your body that doesn't get tired. And personally, for me, that's a good thing because every time that I look at Abby, my heart rate goes up to about 275. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day. You watching? Cool. All right. Oh, I'm glad she loves me for who I am. Finally, almost your entire body, skin, organs, bones, recreates itself every seven to 10 years. Crazy, huh? Isn't that wild? Maybe you don't like your thumb. Well, it gets regenerated after about seven to 10 years, so you got something to look forward to, right? I don't know what it is. Your body's insane. It's wild. No wonder the psalmist says this. This is a very famous passage. We've looked at it before, but this is another part of this passage in Psalm 139. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex, the author says to God. Your worksmanship is marvelous, and how well I know it. I cannot miss it. My body is this crazy, incredible invention. Your body is amazing. There are a lot of things in this world that you have that you might consider to be awesome, that you might consider to be valuable, but there's nothing quite like your body. Now, a question I want to ask you today is, are you taking care of your body? A lot of us don't think very highly of our bodies, and I think that that's normal. Maybe when we're younger, we thought that we were doing just fine. When you look in a mirror when you're a kid, you're very, very confident. But then when you get older, you look for things that you don't like. But your body, today, your body is amazing. What is it in your life that you feel like you have to take the most care of? Oftentimes, the things that we take the most care of are the things that are of the most value. They cost the most money. We need to make sure that nothing wrong happens to them, that they don't get damaged. So what's the most expensive thing that you own? I can almost guarantee that nobody in here, the most expensive thing that they own, I can almost guarantee that it's not your house, it's not your car, it's not like a computer, it's not some sort of gadget. The most expensive thing that I'm almost positive anyone in this room has is your body. It's estimated, theoretically, if you could monetize all the pieces and parts of your body, your body is worth $45 million. It's insane, right? Your body is incredible. Your body is expensive. Your body is no wonder the Bible says beautiful, wonderful. Turn to the person next to you and say, my body is wonderful. <laughs> I am so sorry if you're on a first date. So sorry. The psalmist says, thank you for making me wonderfully complex. But do you believe that about your body? Or have you believed that maybe your body wasn't so important? Like your body really is incredible. It really does amazing things. God thinks that your body is priceless. And it's important that you know that. Somewhere along the way, a lot of us start to think that our bodies aren't that important. We don't take very good care of them. I shared this statistic with you last week that so many people want to have health in their lives. I mean, everybody wants to have health in their lives. But 71% of people say that they don't have the time to practice good health. We're not taking care of our bodies like it's worth so much, are we? In fact, sometimes we put the health of our bodies off. We put off the things that we eat because we got to get to things quicker. Maybe we do that because it's just more convenient. We put off sleep because we think that we need to serve people late into the night. When the truth is, is that if you really want to serve someone, your body has to be energized and rested and ready. One of the best ways to love other people is to understand that your body, yourself, you need to receive love. It's important that we know this. 
Now, before I go any further, I also think that it's important to say this. A lot of people hate their body. And when I preach on the body today, I'm not simply going to give you a list of things for how to make your body look better. Because that's not the point. A lot of us feel shame about our bodies. A lot of us don't like what we see in the mirror. No matter what somebody might say to you, you won't believe them. Because you look in a mirror to see something that's wrong. I do it all the time. We don't look in mirrors anymore to see a confident self. We look in the mirror to find something that's wrong. And we immediately try to fix it. But I want you to know this. God loves you as you are today. God says today, you are beautiful. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You do not have to change the way that you look. You do not have to be skinnier. You do not have to be stronger. Beauty, God's beauty, God's definition of health does not have a shape. It does not have a weight, limit, or minimum. God says you're beautiful. And if you don't believe me, look at the words of Scripture. I'm telling you this because I know what it's like to look at yourself and think that you don't like what's in the mirror. Um, I've I've got some unique things to my body. Um, I've got uh, pectus excavatum. Uh, That's a fancy word for saying I have a hole in my chest. Uh, It's like a big old dent, right? Maybe you can see it, maybe you can't. I think this is a good opportunity to show you all the picture of myself without a shirt. I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) I I will not do that. But when I was younger, I I didn't know that there was anything wrong with me, right? But I'm pretty sure it was the summer between second and third grade that I was in the backyard with my friends, and one of my friends said to me, what's wrong with your chest? And I was like, what do you mean what's wrong with my chest? Nothing's wrong with my chest. I'm awesome. (laughs) It's what you think when you're seven years old, right? And then, like, shame started to creep in. Embarrassment started to creep in. And I have heard that question for over 20 years. What's wrong with your chest? And it really started to make me feel embarrassed. Like there was something wrong with my body. I've been asked that question so many times. I think the only question I've been asked more is, have you eaten cereal out of it? (laughs) No. I haven't, and the reason why I haven't is so I can't satisfy your nosy and invasive question. But I remember like going to the pool and I would like stand there with my arms crossed, you know, because I didn't want anybody to see what was wrong with me. Or I'd put like a towel around my neck to cover my chest so people wouldn't see it. I remember I was really, really embarrassed, and it bothered me. I think it was sometime around high school where I finally started to feel comfortable with how I looked, and I didn't feel like I had to change myself. Um, and it happened when I saw a picture of my dad. Like, you know, I got some of my genetics from my dad. And my dad has the same chest as me. And I, like, I knew that, but like, you know, when you're a kid, like my dad didn't walk around with his shirt off all the time because he's not like a weird dad, you know? Like, <laughs> side note, that's also important. Like, there comes a certain age where, guys, you should stop finding excuses to take your shirt off, right? Like, Word from the Lord, if you're seeing progressions in the gym, please don't stand in front of the mirror with your shirt off. It makes everybody else feel awkward. It just throwing it out there. Right? But I remember when I was in high school, I saw a picture of my dad from when he was in like high school or college. And he was with his friends at a pool and he had his shirt off. Now I want you to, de- in a detailed way, picture my father. I'm just kidding. But I remember seeing him and thinking that he looked so confident. And thinking that he looked fine. And I remember thinking, like, well, that's my hero. 
That's someone that I look up to. That's someone that I love. And there's nothing wrong with him. Why would there be something wrong with me? When you start to see yourself in the one that you love, in the one that you look up to, in the one that you would call a hero, you can actually start to have confidence in yourself because you see yourself in that person. And if that person is wonderful, and if that person is beautiful, and if that person is a hero, and if that person does good things with that, and I have that, it can be true for me too. You can see yourself in God, the most beautiful, incredible being ever to exist. You don't just have to look up to your parents to see somebody that you might look like. You can look to God and see your image in God. Because God's put his image in you. It says this in the book of Genesis. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. It just says it over again. He created them. He created them. He created them. And when he created you, God put his image in you. You are a beautiful being. Beauty, health, does not have a weight, does not have a shape, does not have a size. Today, God says you are beautiful because God sees himself in you. The most beautiful thing to ever exist sees himself in you. It is not healthy to hate yourself. And it doesn't help either. It is not healthy to run yourself into the treadmill miles and miles and miles to lift more and more weights, to eat less and less food, just to change the way that you look so that other people think that you're beautiful. You have the creator of the universe who looks at you today and says, you're beautiful. There is nothing wrong with working out. There's nothing wrong with eating healthy. There's nothing wrong with doing things in moderation so that you can thrive, so that your body can thrive. But God says today, before you do any of that, he sees himself in you. You are a beautiful being. And you need to know that. Now, this theme of health does show up in the Bible. It doesn't help. Again, the theme of health shows up in the Bible, but it presents it in a very healthy way. The theme of taking care of our bodies, excuse me, shows up in the Bible, and it's important that we approach it in a healthy way. Because in the way that I was trying to approach it first, which is covering myself, hiding myself, you know, just being ashamed and, and feeling embarrassed about myself, it, that, was, that wasn't just hurting, like, like, you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't just, like, not fixing, like, the things that I thought were wrong with me physically. But it also was like hurting me mentally. It was hurting me emotionally. And I don't think that that's a surprise because we know like our, our, our physical bodies, our minds, our spirits, like they're interconnected. And when God talks about our physical health throughout the scriptures, we find this. These things are interconnected. Take a look at this in First John, or excuse me, Third John, verse 2. Uh, there's only one chapter to Third John. So if you're like, hey, I'd like to read a book of the Bible, you can read the entire book of Third John just by reading one chapter. So Third John, verse 2, it says, Dear friend, I hope all is well with you and that you are as healthy in body as you are strong in spirit. So John is saying to his friend Gaius in this letter, your body and your spirit are interconnected. And your spirit cannot be healthy unless you are being taken care of. It's interconnected. As your body gets healthier, your spirit gets healthier too. I think that it's important that we notice that. God doesn't say, I want you to get healthier so that you can be prettier. God says, I want you to be healthier so you can be whole. So that your mind, your body, and your spirit can be whole. They can all be healthy. This shows up all the way throughout the scriptures. The people that Jesus taught, they were ancient Jewish people. They, 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 they had their traditions rooted in ancient Judaism. And in Deuteronomy chapter 6, we have the first law that was ever given to the Jewish people, God's people. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. What is that saying? It's saying to really, really love. 
Like to really love means that you love with your mind, with your prayer, with your thoughts, and with your body. It's an active kind of love. You feel it, you think it, you do it. It's all interconnected. And so the health of our, of our minds, of our souls, of our spirits, of our bodies, it is all together. Everything that makes you, you. The thoughts that you have, the actions that you do, the body that you live in. It's all a part of what makes you, you. And God says all of it's connected. And that's why in Matthew chapter 22, when Jesus quotes that, when he says, this is the most important thing that you can do. This is the most important law that you have. He follows it up by saying, now the second thing is equally important. And it's to love your neighbor as yourself. And truly, if it means to love other people, like to truly love other people and to truly love God, means that we love people with our minds and our spirits and our bodies, that also means that in order to love ourselves, we're willing to receive love for our minds, our spirits, and our bodies. Sometimes people think that Christianity is just a spiritual thing. And if it was just a spiritual thing, it would be a pretty big thing. That's pretty awesome. But Christianity expands beyond your spirit, expands beyond your emotions, it expands beyond your feelings, it also goes into your body. Because it's all a part of what makes you, you. And God wants you to be a whole person. When God says, I want you to be healthy, God's not saying, I just want you to be pretty so you're more pleasing physically in my eyes. God's saying, I want you to be whole. I want you to be you. I want your mind and your spirit and your body all of it to thrive. This is what is so different about God when God talks about health, but also when God talks about you as a person. There are so many things in the world that tell you you should change to impress other people. Like, I know that when we see commercials about things that can improve our physical appearance, oftentimes they'll try to play on that emotional tone where they'll say, okay, well, if you take this product or if you use this product or if you apply this product, you will feel so much more confident about yourself. And really, that's what it's all about. It's about what you're experiencing in your heart. And then you go ahead and you look at the bottle and you read the directions. I tested this out this week. I've got some lotion. It's really fancy. It's gold bond. And I apply it, right? It's what makes me glow. And it says in the directions, apply to your dry, itchy skin. And I'm like, that doesn't sound so pleasant. Like, they're calling me out already. Okay, your broken skin, apply to it. I wanted to test this out even further, so I went to the beauty aisle in Target, and I found this product. It's called Big Sexy Hair. And I looked at it. <laughs> Nothing wrong if you use it, for the record. You know, but it's like, you know, the, the, the notion is that, okay, well, it'll make you feel good on the inside, right? It'll make your heart feel good. It'll make you feel good internally. But then you look at the directions and it says, apply to lifeless hair. <laughs> so you can be alive. So you can look a certain way. When God's talking about your body, God's talking about something deeper. He's talking about something that connects to all of you. I think that it's so cool when research and science affirms what God's been telling us for thousands of years through his word. The Bible tells us your physical health is deeply interconnected to your spiritual health. To become spiritually healthier, you become physically healthier. The University of Texas found that as we become physically healthier, uh, one of the things that you can do is you can exercise three times a week for 30 minutes and have a very like moderately like uh, cardio-based exercise. They use the example of walking, walking three times a week for 30 minutes. You say, okay, well, that's great. Maybe I'll shed a few pounds. You know, even more importantly than that, they also said that it is directly linked to significantly decreasing the symptoms of depression. Isn't that interesting? That science affirms what God's been telling us all along, 
Now, I won't stand up in front of you and tell you that I know absolutely everything about exercise science or fitness. I found routines that work for me, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy about that. But I'd like to turn it over to somebody who I know who is deeply passionate, passionate about exercise and health and has been setting a, proper, a good example for me about what health really means throughout my life. So would you go ahead and take a listen to her and, and maybe even follow her instruction if you're able. Take a look. As Christians, it's important to take good care of our souls. But taking care of our bodies with exercise can be an act of worship, too. So let's get moving. Everybody up. If you're unable to stand, just move those arms. We're going to start by taking a deep breath in and breathe it out. Do it again. Here we go. Nice breath in and breathe it out. There's never a bad time to make some healthy changes in our lives. If you already have an exercise routine, great job. If not, any amount of activity is better than none. So let's start by moving together. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, You realize, don't you, that you are the temple of God, and God himself is present in you. God's temple is sacred, and you are the temple. Did you know that walking or being active when you're tired may be a more effective energy boost than grabbing a cup of coffee? Plus, regular physical activity can help you fall asleep faster, get better sleep, and even deepen your sleep. Moving increases oxygen flow through the body. It can also increase levels of cortisol, epinephrine, and norepinephrine. Those are hormones that help elevate your energy levels. It's pretty easy. Instead of just sitting, start moving. You have been gifted with your own personal temple from the creator of the universe. Take care of your body as a gift to yourself and a way to say thank you to God. Now let's breathe in and breathe out. Do it again. Breathe in God's love, then go breathe it out to the world around you. Don't you feel better already? Take care of your temple and have a fabulous day. You may be seated. Uh, if case you didn't catch it, that's my mom. Her name is Sally, uh, and she really is that energetic and joyful every single day. It's authentic and it's real, and I think that part of the reason is because she is truly invested in her physical health, not just to look a certain way, I mean, actually not to look a certain way at all, but instead because she knows and she's taught me that your physical health is attached and deeply interconnected with your whole health. That's what God has been telling us for thousands of years. Now, you heard in that video, and you also heard in the Bible reading this morning, that God calls your body his temple. It's a temple of the Holy Spirit. So for the remainder of the sermon, as we close it up, I just want to talk about what does it mean to be a temple of the Holy Spirit? A lot of us know, like, what are the things that we could do to be healthier, right? Like, you probably know, like, okay, well, I could eat more fruits and veggies. I would sleep more. Maybe I would pick up an exercise routine. But we do it in moderation, not in a way just to simply look a certain way, but instead... Because it helps us be healthy. It helps us be whole, right? Now, we know a lot of things that we could do, but maybe sometimes the reason why we're not so motivated to do it is because we don't know the why behind it. So do what works for you. I don't know. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a kinesiologist. I don't know specifically what's going to work best for you. But what I do know is the why behind it. Because I believe that the Bible reveals it to us, and I believe that science and studies have been affirming it ever since. So to be a temple of the Holy Spirit, it means this. You know that your body belongs to God. This is entirely countercultural, and I realize that. It says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, or excuse me, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives, in, who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. Your body belongs to God. To be a temple of the Holy Spirit means that you know your body isn't yours. That's countercultural, isn't it? Now, God does not say, like, okay, just tell, let anyone ever tell you what to do with your body. That's not what the Bible is saying. But what the Bible is saying is that God gave you your body. And you might say, well, that seems a little bit possessive. But I want you to ask yourself this. 
Who takes better care of my body? I mean, seriously, let's play a comparison game here for just a moment. There is God who says I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And then there's me who looks in the mirror and finds the things I don't like about myself. There is God who's paid such close attention to me that God would call me his masterpiece, that God created all of my delicate inner pieces that it says in Psalm chapter 139. It also says that God's been paying attention to you since the dark of your mother's womb. And then there's me who oftentimes I don't get enough sleep at night because I'm just not paying attention to myself and what I need. I'm glad my body belongs to God. And I wish I cared for my body as much as God cares for my body. Your body belongs to God. And because your body belongs to God, God has decided that's where I want to live. It tells us in 1 Corinthians, the Holy Spirit chooses your body as its dwelling place, has made it your home. And so this might motivate us to take care of ourselves better. Imagine as you're driving home, if you drive past a place of worship, or what if you were coming here this morning and you know that this is your place of worship and you saw somebody vandalizing it, right? You saw somebody like ripping it down or painting graffiti over it or just doing something that was wrong that violated it. You'd probably say, stop, what are you doing? That's not right, you can't do that. That should not happen to a place of worship. That's a holy place. And God's saying, yes, that's your body. Your body is a holy place of worship. And what you do with it and how you take care of it is a form of worship. And it can glorify God if we handle it the right way. Your body belongs to God. And that's a good thing. Because God cares for our bodies even more than we do. God lives in your body, and that means that your body is holy. God dwells within you. The second thing is, my body makes a difference. It's important to know this. Your body makes a difference. Turn to the person next to you and say, I can make a difference. You can make a difference. Sometimes we don't believe this, do we? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, again, it says, remember, don't you realize your bodies are actually parts of Christ? Name one person, one person in all of history who's ever made a bigger difference in the history of humanity than Jesus. Time magazine recognizes this as they name Jesus as the most influential being of all time. Jesus has made a bigger difference than anybody in the history of the world. And God is saying, you're a part of his body. Your body is a part of the body of Christ. You get to make a difference. Now, here's the thing. The purpose of being, of being healthy is not so, again, it's not so that you just look better. It's so that you would have the energy to enjoy what God can do through you. To be a part of the difference that God wants to make through your body. God wants to make a difference through your body. You're a part of the body of Christ, and you can do that. You can do it this afternoon. We've got the Super Bowl food drive. You can go to the grocery store. You can fill up the cart. You can donate that food, and it will fill the, the local food pantries Uh, with food donations and other sorts of household items and and needs for and, and bodily items that we need, you can make a difference. What you do with your body makes a difference. The third thing is my body is priceless. Now turn to the person next to you and say, my body is priceless. I told you earlier that if you could put a monetary value on your body, theoretically, it would be about $45 million. But here's what God says about the price of your body. It says, God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. It says God bought you with a high price. What what was the price? The price was that God came to the earth in a human body. And he sacrificed his body. Your price, the price of your body to God, was worth himself. It was priceless. Your body is priceless. 
aren't you glad that your body belongs to God? I mean, if we really absorb that, right? I mean, like, maybe you take care of the things in your life that are valuable to you. But what if, like, you really love someone, you really care about them, and they lend you, your car, and you, they lend you their car? Well, you'll take really good care of that, won't you? Because you care about them, and, and it's theirs. God says, I bought you because I care about you. Because you're priceless to me. I give myself for you. This last piece, it ties in nicely with what we just said, but my body will be resurrected. Know this. Your body will be resurrected. There may be things that you don't like about yourself now. There may be things that you notice getting older. There may be things about yourself that you wish weren't true. God promises that God will resurrect your body. God will give you, in a sense, a new body. Everyone will recognize you, the scriptures tell us, about eternity. Everyone will recognize you. Everyone will know it was you. But it will be a new body. You will be a whole body, a complete body, with total health. And no longer will people judge health based off of size and weight and shape, but instead off of wholeness. And we will exist in a place where God is continually making us eternally whole. It's such a beautiful thing. In the book of John, there's this really fascinating passage where Jesus walks up to a man who's been sick for 38 years. 38 years. And the first thing he says to him is, do you want to get well? Do you want to be healthy? Do you want to be whole? What kind of a question is that? This man has been sick for 38 years. And his response is just as fascinating. He says, I can't. Anybody saying I can't lately? Anybody believe that you're incredibly limited? I get it. There's something liberating about the ability to say I can't. In order to be a healthy person, you have to know how to say no, I cannot do that. I'm setting up boundaries. I have a limited schedule. And I have a limited amount of strength that I can provide to the world around me. I'm human. There's something liberating about being able to say I can't. But there's also something imprisoning about having to say I can't. To believe you're incapable. And this man says back to Jesus, I cannot be well. I cannot be whole. The word that Jesus used for well there, it wasn't just our typical understanding of physical health. It was a whole kind of health. It's truly a complete kind of health. A new kind of being. A complete kind of body. And this man says, I can't do that. What are you saying I can't about lately? And what do you need Jesus to address? What do you need Jesus to touch? What do you need Jesus to heal? What do you need Jesus to make whole? I know that our human bodies in this world have physical limitations. They do. In Ephesians, it says that God calls us his masterpiece. And he already chose us long ago, long ago to accomplish the works that he's prepared for us. Your body was put in this world to accomplish specific things that God had in mind for you. Now the truth is, that also means that there are specific things in this world that your body was not designed to accomplish. And that's okay. You are made unique. You are made wonderfully. 
And just because you can't do something that somebody else's body is capable of, does not mean that your body is any less capable. I think that something else that's fascinating about when we have something that we can't do as well as somebody else because of our physical limitations, God has designed our bodies to compensate for that and to find strength in new areas. I read this week that if somebody isn't able to see, their body actually develops new strengths and abilities to hear and feel in ways that other human beings simply cannot. You want to tell me that God can't do something through that body? You want to tell me that that body's any less valuable than anybody else's? God says, I can do something. When somebody speaks that kind of life into you, it's empowering. One of the first experiences that I had with exercise was when I was a kid. My parents enrolled me in Taekwondo. I, I was a very small kid with a major inferiority complex. Um, and so they wanted to put some confidence in me. And so they enrolled me in Taekwondo. And so I went over to Farrell's Martial Arts because the owner, Lance Farrell, uh, he, he ran it and he went to Hope. And he still does. And a lot of you know who Lance Farrell is. He's kind of like a local celebrity and is even becoming even more famous across the country because he, he leads Farrell's extreme body shaping, right? And like a lot of people have done that. I know a lot of people in our congregation have done that. And, uh, and I was this little, little kid in Taekwondo. And because I was so little, I thought that I had to make up for it with my voice. And so when we do these punches and kicks, I would scream as loud as I could. Ah! Sorry, 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 Holden. I did that really loud. Scream at, the top, scream at the top of my lungs. Remember when I was being promoted from white belt to yellow belt? I was young. And it was around the same time when I was being told, there's something wrong with your chest, right? And so I was like having confidence issues because of my body. And I remember as I'm doing the form at our promotions, Lance Farrell is there. And I'm screaming at the top of my lungs. And Lance Farrell noticed me. And there are two people in the world who have ever referred to me as Daniel, who consistently call me Daniel. Everybody else calls me Danny, and my sister calls me Dan until she married a guy named Dan. Then that came to a quick halt. <laughs> but two people in the world have ever referred to me as Daniel consistently. It's my dad and Mr. Farrell. And... Mr. Farrell, as we're there in the promotions, he's saying, Daniel, again! Daniel, again! And I felt so empowered, and I felt so good, and I felt so strong. I was like, I can do something in this room. I can do something. Fast forward like 20 plus years, and in the fall, there was a men's event happening at our Hope West Des Moines campus where there was a former Navy SEAL who was the speaker. Some of you were there with me. And one of the breakout sessions was work out with a Navy SEAL. And I thought to myself, I could take it, <laughs> right? I mean, in my mind, I really thought for a moment, like, I bet I could do this, you know? Like, I, I was really thinking. I was really confident about it. At my house, or at my parents' house, in West Des Moines, on their shelf, there is a black belt, a Taekwondo black belt with my name in Korean on it. That means I could take any one of you. <laughs> That's not true because you also have to be flexible and I lost all of that. But as I'm in that class and I'm suffering, across the gym from me is Lance Farrell, who's now in his late 50s but still about like 6'7 and 250 pounds of steel, you know. 
If you know what he looks like, you know what I mean. And I am getting exhausted. I'm getting, I'm, I am worn out. My body can't. It just couldn't anymore. We were doing a squats and push-ups workout just over and over and over again. Started off really easy. It's like, all right, go ahead and do one squat and then do one push-up. I'm like, I could be a Navy SEAL. <laughs> but then the next round, he's like, okay, now do two squats and two push-ups. And I'm like, okay, you know. Three squats and three push-ups. Four squats and four push-ups. Five squats and five push-ups. Six squats, squats and six push-ups. Over and over and over again. And around seven, I'm realizing, I'm not going to make it. I can't. The seal is telling us, we're going to get to 20. We're going to do this. We're going to make it. And he's preaching the gospel to us. He's like, if you are physically well, you have the ability to be spiritually well. And I'm like, I'm not physically well. <laughs> we get up to 20, and the Navy SEAL says, great job, you made it up the mountain. But when people climb Everest, they don't die on the way up, they die on the way down. <laughs> We're going back down. <laughs> and he said to us, he said, if you're in this room, there's no watching. <laughs> you got to try. You got to at least give your best. You got to put your body into this. Now here's me, <laughs> noodly, right? <laughs> you, like, I know what you think a push-up looks like, and I know I think what a push-up looks like, but you didn't know that a person could do a push-up like I could. Like you think, okay, well, you do a push-up, maybe if you can't do it anymore, you go down to your knees. I was on my hips. <laughs> do you want to see what it looked like? Ah! Ah! By the time it was over, I couldn't walk for six days. Mind you, I'd run a marathon a, a week before, but still, I was like exhausted. Meanwhile, Lance Farrell is across the gym from me, and he's doing every single push-up on his fists. Just, yeah, I'm loving this. When it came clear that I couldn't do any more, Lance came over right beside me, and he yelled, Daniel! <laughs> and I let out a scream. <laughs> he took that picture of me while I'm screaming. <laughs> ah! <Hi> -ah! <laughs> I tell you that for a reason. One, because it's okay to laugh at yourself. <laughs> But two, you have a God who knows your limitations. You have a God who knows when you can't get up again. And he'll get beside you. He will. And he'll ask you, do, do you want to get whole? I can do this for you. And maybe it won't be in the way that you want. I still can't do that workout. I've tried. But he'll say your name. And he'll strengthen you in ways that you didn't think you could be strong. Because he sees your body, and, and I know that you care about your body, but God cares even more about your body. And maybe you can't accomplish the dreams that you had, but you will absolutely be able to see God work through you. And you'll be able to see the dreams that God had for you. And it's always better. 
No, Jesus is pro-healing, right? Like, he's pro-physical healing. He says to this man, rise. He says, rise. But when he uses the word rise in his native language, and then in the language that they recorded Jesus saying it was in biblical Greek, they use a specific kind of rise. It's a gere. And it literally means resurrection. Your body may fail. Your body may believe, make you believe that you can't. Your body may make you face the reality of certain limitations in your life. But you will rise. God is resurrecting our bodies. God is resurrecting our bodies. And as much as I wanted to cheer for the snowboarder this week, I need to shout out praise for that. Will you shout out praise with me for that? God is resurrecting not just our spirits, not just our minds, but our bodies. You're going to live forever. You're going to be whole forever. Will you lift up a shout of praise for that? God is resurrecting our bodies. Amen? Let's praise God. God is resurrecting our bodies. God is resurrecting our bodies. Rise, church. You get to rise. You get to live. Your body will live. Even when you believe you couldn't. Because your body means something to God. He says, rise. Take care of your body, not to look a certain way, not to become more physically appealing to the people around you, but because God wants you to be healthy. That's the why behind it. I think you probably know what to do. But in the meantime, keep a look. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who knows you, who cares for you, and is resurrecting you. Amen. Let's stand up and sing.